Welcome to Let's Talk Memoir, a podcast for memoir lovers, readers, and writers. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Hi, it's Ronit, popping in to say hello and thank you for being here. In this episode, number 44, I got to interview filmmaker Reed Harkness about Sam Now, his new coming-of-age documentary about generational trauma. It's also a brother story, it's a family story, and it's a story about vulnerability. When I heard Reed speak after the screening of Sam Now in Seattle, I knew that he and his work would line up so well with Let's Talk Memoir. Though Reed works in a different medium than we memoirists, our crafts intersect when it comes to telling personal stories, what it's like to share material others in our family would rather not talk about, the importance of editors and readers to our work, how we find the arc in our stories, and the tenacity to keep on going even when we're worn out. I hope you enjoy this episode, and remember there will be one more episode to this season next week. And as always, thank you so much for sharing this podcast and telling your friends and for reviewing it, and thank you for being here. Today my guest is Reed Harkness. Reed attended film school in his backyard and garage. At 18, he began making a series of short films starring his younger brother, Sam. This was the beginning of a project two decades in the making, Sam Now, a coming-of-age film that follows his brother from age 11 to 36. Reed previously directed the award-winning 30-minute documentary, Forest on Fire, about the 2017 wildfire in the Columbia River Gorge, started by a teen who threw a lit firecracker off a hiking trail, stranding more than 150 hikers, and how much like wildfire a news story can spin out of control. He created House on Fire for Topic Studios, a series of short documentaries where people are given the spontaneous prompt that their house is on fire and told they have only two minutes to save just one thing. Reed recently participated in Gotham Week's Project Market, Spotlight on Documentaries, and was selected as a Film Independent Fellow. He was also awarded the Oregon Media Fellowship for 2021. Welcome, Reed. Hi, so good to be here, Ronit. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. This is an episode that's a little bit different for my show because normally we talk strictly memoir or essays, a book of essays, but I really wanted to have you on because I recently saw your documentary, Sam Now, which has been at so many festivals and earning incredible awards, and it's pretty much been all-encompassing for you for quite a while now and so I wanted to bring you here to talk a little bit about it because I feel like there's so much intersection between Sam now and the work that memoirists do so with that very long introduction (laughs) on my part can you share just a little bit about your movie Sam now to give us a little bit of context for our conversation sure I'll try it's a really (laughs) crazy project um (laughs) Basically, as a teenager, I got started on this idea of long-term filmmaking with my younger half-brother, Sam. He's eight years younger than me, and I thought it'd be interesting to sort of like track him as he grows up. But I started doing it at first through fiction filmmaking, little short films, um, Sam 1, Sam 2, Sam 3, very short films, experimental, dealing with boyhood topics. There's like one where he's just like, 
he like crashes his bike over and over again and it's like just sort of like about the ideas of like what it's like to be a boy and like going through adolescence and like what is it to sort of like become a man as i'm doing this project with sam we're going on all these adventures and we're bonding a lot what ends up coming of this is like we realize at what point when we're discussing what our next film is going to be sam six there's this huge elephant in the room in our family sam my half brother his mom is missing she's been gone for a couple years my stepmom vanished one day out of the blue and we talk about making a movie about going to look for her and then we set off on that journey with our dad's minivan mm-hmm. and that leads to like many other things mm-hmm. and just deep topics around what is the role of a mother and things around masculinity and things around like like how could a mom just leave and intergenerational traumas it gets into a lot of topics Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm so curious about this i always think about how we have this hindsight when we're writing or we're creating art if we're talking about our own lives and we're using our own experience particularly when we're doing autobiographical things and we have the, the the luxury or at least the perspective of hindsight. But as you were going through this, I mean, you just described it started out as these like creative outlets for you and you were already kind of, it seems, looking at your life and what roles people play and had this sort of storyteller aspect to your personality. But when you started filming, you know, the mom's disappearance, did you ever have any sense that you were you were now documenting your your brother's life but did you have any sense of responsibility as you were going through that process toward Sam and his experience of what was happening did you feel as a storyteller documenting this any kind of weight even yeah. when you were 20 22 23 uh-huh. <laughs> so much weight okay so 25 year long in the making project that accumulated a tremendous amount of weight for me but the initial like the initial weight that I think I took on responsibility wise was I always I was the older brother and I think you know being a first in family you don't have the the experience of hand-me-down from older siblings and and I just yeah. like I wanted that so bad. I really wanted mm-hmm. an older brother character in my life, like somebody to show me the way, someone who could like say, hey, like check out this song or like these clothes or, you know, just like, hey, let's like go on an adventure together. So when I became an older brother and kind of realized that I had a little bit of time to give, I was really into it. And I just remember lots of moments of like wrestling with my younger brothers, Jared and Sam, and, you know, just goofing around and playing all kinds of games. And one of our games ended up being playing around with a VHS camcorder and Mm -hmm. and making fun little movies. Um, And that evolved to me saying like, hey, I I think I want to be a filmmaker. And then I'm like directing short films and Sam's Sam's the star of those movies. So the responsibility piece that came in for me was like, okay, I'm already this playing this older brother 
role, which tends to come with protections. Then when Joyce, my stepmom, leaves her family, that kicks in really strong. It's like, oh, like, I got to kind of fill in some of the holes. Mm -hmm. And I'm from a blended family. I've explained that already. Like, we have the same dad, Sam and I have the same dad. Sam, Jared, and I have the same dad. But we have different moms. And my mom... Chaya is very present in my life and somebody I feel like I can always count on and like I kind of have this you know this dual feeling of going between these houses and and I think that helped me see the differences of what was going on and certainly like the maternal instincts that you know I was getting um, learned from my mom Chaya you know like started to kick in a little bit more it was like okay there is a missing mom role in this other house and um you know it wasn't like I was like you know making their lunch every morning I was actually out of the house yeah I just did a lot of like bonding time with them and was really concerned like Mm -hmm. extra um concerned and kind of like invested emotionally invested And there's also this element, you know, uh, in the movie you say that, and and I I should mention I got to see the movie here in Seattle and you were there after talking about it, so that was a real treat. And I, you talk about how no one was mentioning anything in the family about this disappearance. Like the elephant in the room, not only because you hadn't addressed it in films, but actually in your family, this wasn't something anyone really talked about. The mom was gone, but it seems like people were just trying to move on and not address it. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think that there was a lot of closed door conversations. Like two people would, you know, get together and they'd be like, hey, I, like you heard anything? What's going on mm-hmm. with this? You know, mm-hmm. but like, um, or I'm worried about Sam and Jared, but like there wasn't, Nobody was bringing the youth into the conversation in a way that could, like, help get some of this stuff, like, into a more normalized, like, okay, this is, we're all going through this together, you know? Like, yeah, and I yeah. think that this is, this is what I'm bringing up in the movie is that it's, like, you know, in Seattle and, you know, in, in the West and in, in most of, uh, you know, our, our country. And actually, we've been doing lots of international screenings and they all feel the same way too like families are kind of ill-equipped with um dealing with trauma basically yeah i would say so and i also think from my own experience you know that when you don't talk about something it doesn't make it go away in a family (laughs) like especially for children it it's uh it makes it larger somehow the presence of the unspoken becomes sort of this own entity and I really, really, it struck me in the documentary, you say something like, and I'm paraphrasing, or maybe it's directly a quote, when things make me uncomfortable, I want to do something about it. So you were like sort of the the truth teller, I feel like, in this movie in that way. And so I was wondering how you feel and if you feel your role in your family contrasts with the other people in your family and their roles. Like, do you feel like you've been this kind of person in the family before or always that you have to kind of address things head on? Mm. Yeah, I think you're hitting, you're hitting on something really interesting. And I think, you know, and I would imagine 
um, you know, being on a memoir podcast, this is a movie, but it's kind of a movie memoir um, mm-hmm. that a lot of memoirists might share this same sentiment, which is that like, for some reason, we know this way to observe and track and record um, and also say, like we also, you know, like we were sensitive people, like where's mm-hmm. the sensitive ones in the family that have like sensed this stuff going on and it's hit us in a certain way and we've recorded it and then we're also applying voice, you know, we're, we're sending and receiving. Um, mm-hmm. the signal and and this is something that I do in the movie it's like it comes out in real time it's like I, I'm recognizing that maybe all the adults in the room don't really have the answers or don't really know <laughs> what to do and that was something that as a young person I was surprised by um, especially because my family's like they're all educators they're all like really tapped into Mm. the topics of like um, parenting and education and you know all of these you know basic skills Um, so yeah they seem like a very warm family yeah I would say so really warm really you know close everybody would congregate at grandma's house like everybody lived within blocks of each other like we're just it's a family that's like a throwback where it's like they we're all gathering routinely and you know that all that's really wonderful but it also you know is surprising and here I am as this like blended family kid that's going between houses I could see some differences yeah. and I'm not to say that like my other household was perfect it's just that like that gave me a way to see things where it's like mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just normal. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is it about the memoirist or the, you know, the filmmakers that tap into these th- ideas that other people don't? I think it's for some reason, uh, you know, we're just, we're the, like, more sensitive ones. We're just, we just sense things and, and kind of are, are interested in exploring that a little bit more. And, and some other family members might, might be less interested in that or, or, or maybe... I mean, it's strange. With this movie, it was like a calling. It was like, felt like I had to do it and that there wasn't any other way about it. It just, Mm -hmm. it was going to happen. And it was like, like, I don't really have a a religion per se, but like, it was like, you know, uh, spiritual forces, like pulling it out of my heart, basically. Mm. I wonder how that built-in momentum, the more time and the more footage and years you had behind you, because I feel like, so for memoirists, I, I want to reflect on this for you so you see how parallel this is. A lot of the times memoirists are, A, unsure about whether or not they can share other people's stories. You know, if family is involved in their stories, which often it is, can they share these secrets that the family may have covered up or not want to discuss? Is it theirs to tell? And so that comes up a lot. And then there's also this idea of like, I don't know if I should keep writing this. You know, I don't know if it's worth publishing it. I don't know if I should actually, I've written it for myself, but I don't know if I'm ready to share it with the world, you know, uh, because of privacy concerns or because of fear that it's not what it should be. And so did you find, 
you know, that your need to get it into the world uh, increased the more material you had and the more it came together. Was that part of the impetus for that? That's a really interesting question. Yeah, the need to get it into the world. I think <sighs> initially, this is the way I think about it. Initially, the project was for Sam. It was like, I actually uh, early on kind of took off my filmmaker hat and I was like, yeah, I'll make that movie about, you know, tracking down your missing mom. You know, I'll make that movie with you, sure. You know, like as a, it's not a joke, but it's a like, that'll be like the vehicle. And mm -hmm. we'll, and I'll go on this journey with you because I understand that that creates protection. At that point, it was just for Sam. I'm just helping my brother and Jared too. And then later, I have to own this story. Like, I'm not, it's not even a movie. This is, okay, 25 years. This is like, I'm, we're, I'm talking about yeah. in 2002, oh, that's where I was at. You know, in, you know, in 2003, things started to change a little bit when I realized, like, you know, and this is a little spoiler, but, like, yeah, we we found her. And that introduced a lot more questions that mm -hmm. I had. Sam's question was, can we find her? We found her. Mm -hmm. Sam was good at that point. He was like, we found her. Great. <laughs> okay, I can. I'm good. And then I was the one that was like, I have a lot of questions around this. And I have a lot of questions around my family. Family's dealing with it, too. And I have a lot of questions like just like, what is this all? <laughs> what is what is it that like um, no one wants to talk about it? What is, why is it that um, Joyce is actually seemingly so OK with what happened and what she did and not really wanting to like apologize for her actions? Um, mm -hmm. These things hit me so hard and I felt like I needed answers. So. That's where I sort of start to own the narrative and say, like, okay, I'm asking the questions. I'm going in there. I'm going out there to, like, seek some understanding. And I'm working with my family members. Um, and that involves levels of consent and mm -hmm. ethics. I think there's a lot of storytelling where, you know, storytellers go out in the world and find some story from a far-off place. And, um, you know, that has its own quality and its own thing but this is one where it's like okay really digging into home mm -hmm. and these are all you know like my close people and one of the things that came out of this line of thinking Sam didn't watch a cut or a scene of the movie until the very end when it was complete but the conversation he had with me is like, I trust you to make this, but you have to tell it. So I think what he implied by that was like, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm, <laughs> I'm trusting you, you know, to tell this story that is like, you know, Sam now, he's the title character. But also like, you have to do it with integrity of like the language that we know. What I mean by that is that like we've grown as brothers in this way and bonded in this very specific way. And I had to 
channel that language. And um, it's something that's very hard to do on film. It's a mixture of playful energy. It's a mixture of sobering, hard truth, reality energy. And, you know, all there's this sort of like, when you think about sibling connections and the inside jokes and the kind of like the little language things that you have together. Yeah. All of that is what fed the voice of this movie. And it was so vulnerable for me to go there and present that to the world in a sense because it's our inner world. Yeah. It's, well, it's Sam at his most intimate moments and you as well because we're seeing the story through your eyes. Yeah, yeah. And so the movie is made up of like, like I'm holding the camera the entire time. Um, so you're seeing things from my perspective and that's like a kind of unique thing. So it's like, you know, with and this is all 25 years of source material. So you've got me growing up yeah, holding the camera as a perspective. So from very early ages, like holding a VHS camera. And then I start like holding other cameras, like a Super 8 camera or a mini DV camera. Or a, by the end, it's like a big H, you know, like airy movie camera. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it gets, there's this sort of like growth of that and like format and how that all, you see like, evolution and refinement but it's it's that mixture I think is really really interesting did you ever need to take breaks for your mental health and and even your relationship with Sam yeah right now I do um and yeah yeah. you can you talk about that (laughs) yeah I think it's just fine to dive into this now I mean if you want to talk a little bit about how long you've been promoting this and how long you've been very public facing about the movie yeah, yeah. So a year ago, we premiered the movie at Hot Docs in Toronto. And right after that, um, you know, it was exciting. Um, Sam was there. Jared was there. My dad was there. My mom was there. There was, you know, it was it was really special. We did one more festival after that. And then I talked to my editors, Darren Lund and Jason Reed, um, also from Seattle, amazing editor, documentary film editors, um, about opening the edit back up. And we spent the entire summer cutting. Um, after screening it a couple times, I had some insights that I really felt strongly needed to be included. The one thing was like this letter that Sam wrote to his mom that represented anger. It's something that Sam doesn't do very often in the movie. He like doesn't Mm. really show anger and it's like, it's a missing ingredient. And I have this letter. And so I did this whole scene that incorporates that. Anyway, we pushed it, pushed the edit even further. 
after being exhausted. I mean, we were already exhausted by the time we were premiering in, in May. It was such an involved edit. It was like it was like three years basically full time with two editors working and me and then our two co-producers, Adam Brown and Heather Hawksford, all it felt like we were occupying like an entire city block of space and doing a jigsaw puzzle with the, you know, exactly the same jigsaw puzzles pieces. You know, it's like there's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. amazing amount of material, amazing amount of tedious work to put it together into a, a story arc that was clear, was entertaining to watch that brought forward this this voice that I was talking about that like held the integrity of the conversation mm-hmm. I had with Sam and that like you know did justice to the the dynamic the very complex messy dynamic of of this family situation so by the time we're like hitting you know end of summer last year everyone's burned out and I've been kind of pushing the pushing our team and that's a lot of weight you know to have a whole team working on your project is a it's a whole other thing and then we get that out and like do a whole other round of festivals and that cut is the one that like really takes off and wins a lot of awards and we start getting a lot more recognition around it and then from that point until now it's just like all these festivals have been all over the place doing festivals. And then last month, I did a full month of a um, limited theatrical where I was just like going to premiere after premiere and doing like almost like a Q&A every single mm-hmm. night. And it was just like sometimes I'd have my brother or like one of my brothers there or my dad or um, psychologists and like a lot of like really wonderful things. But like that's so many events like there's so many events packed into all this time and I have four kids, a blended family of four kids and all of it has been like, it's like the too much button is just like, it's like, <laughs> that's been happening for a year. Too much, too much, too much. That's a year <laughs> of too much button happening. And, and you know, when it's like, and everyone on the team would agree, it's like Heather Oxford is... Um, a co-producer on the film and she's also my wife and we've like have four kids together and like we went through a pandemic during this process Mm. and it's just it's like yeah I needed to do it but also what are the you know in this case you know making a movie is hard this is not a project don't like Stick to, like, I recommend for memoirists to stick to words on paper. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, as you were talking, I'm thinking, wow, this is so inspiring. We all can write a memoir, but we all don't want to make a movie like this. I'm like, you're really. It's so much. It's so much work. Um, And, you know, I know I know that, like, writing a memoir is so much work, too. It's just um, I think that, you know, my naive mind thought that, like, oh, it'll just be so cool. I'll have all this footage and, you know, be able to do all these different things. And yes, that is cool. But it was just like, it was also like the hardest thing I've ever done. And not just for me, for like the whole team. It was just, the whole, yeah. yeah. I mean, and also there's this element here that I really don't want to 
ignore, which is, and we've been talking about it, but you have become your story, right? Like, or your story, this story has become you in a mm-hmm. sense, at least to the public, right? Like, this is the film that defines you at this mm-hmm. point and kind of defines Sam, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this, it's all like kind of interwoven here. And so it's, it's an, I think the toll would be there on any filmmaker for touring like this and editing like this and working so hard and having yeah. a family. But to add to the fact that this is your family, like your family of origin and your relationships of origin, all mingled, intermingled here, that is on display on screen, but also yeah. for any audience who cares to ask you questions. Like this is who you are now, at least right now. Yeah. And so I think that's a big toll. It is. It's a it's a big experience and there's so much wrapped into it and you know I meant to say this earlier but I started out, you know, you know like with this okay, first I'm doing short films, they're for me. Like I'm making the short films with Sam and then I and then I'm going on this road trip with Sam. That's for Sam. And then I I retake the sort of like ownership of telling the story when it's like I'm starting to ask all these big questions and I I need the answers. But um, what I realized um, when we started to show some do some little screenings to get like feedback on the movie and with early cuts, mm-hmm. we did some test screenings. Is you know by 25 years later. I mean, there's still so much alive for everyone in the family, but it was hitting people really hard. People were, some people were speechless. Some people needed to talk. Some people, like, it hit people in such a diverse way. People were having, like, dramatically different reactions to it. And I really thought that was interesting, and I recognized from that eventually that this wasn't, a project that I was making, you know, for my family at all anymore. It was, it was for everyone else. And I think somehow, like when you get to that point of recognition that it's like, oh, this is, this is not just about our family. This is like about all families. That's where you can, um, you start, it changes, it changes, something changes in you. Right, right, right. But I think that's what memoirists really rely on or what memoirists have been taught and what we try to really dig into is that our stories are very personal to us but when we depict them in well-lit excavated ways they become universal Hmm. they 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 reach beyond our personal circumstances and particular circumstances just like what you're saying about your movie it was about sam and joyce and you and your family but then you saw exactly how it affected people who didn't even know you who may not have had a similar situation but it profoundly affected them because you're tapping into something greater and and that's what i think part of the power of documentaries are and of course art in general but definitely memoir too yeah, for sure. Yes. Like, and it, it also, you know, it's liberating in a way to know that the work isn't, you know, it's not for me. It's not for my mm-hmm. family. I mean, it's, and so it is, it is also for me and my family, but it's like, it's something for other people to, <laughs> to get something, whatever they need out of it, you know, and, 
And um, at that point, I can kind of be like, okay, I did the thing. I I put it down. I I got it to that place where it's it's free and it can be something that um, people can utilize, have, um, experience. Mm-hmm. And and you are doing that with the film as well because the film has expanded into sort of offering, the website for the film offers resources and there's this idea of uh, looking more at the intergenerational trauma, looking through that lens and how this is affecting, this can affect all of us. And I was wondering if your relationship with Sam, like how how are you guys right now in the, in the wake of all of this, mm. you know, publicity and storytelling and uh, being in the public eye? What is it like for you two together now? Hmm. I feel like we've gotten closer mm-hmm. in the in the last year around it. It's really interesting doing Q and A's together. I've found that like new things come up, new conversations come up that we haven't had before by somebody asking a question in a different way or, you know, like engaging us in a certain way. And, and that that's been really cool. And then also we've been really leaning into like our old, you know, kind of playful language of just like, Hey, this is fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually we were just together this weekend. My, for my grandmother's celebration of life um she passed away a, a few months ago um she's yeah, like I'm a so sorry about that she's in the movie and yeah um, wow i'm really sorry about your loss yeah thank you she's just a really important figure in my life and i'm so glad that i could share her in the movie but yeah we were you know afterwards we were all we all had a family barbecue together and we just made up this game with the kids of like um, sort of volleying a, a beach ball around. And then like once everybody's touched it, then you have to do headers and like, and that's when you start to get points. And it was just like this totally liberating reminder that, um, you know, while we like, here I am this like, you know, talking about like all these, you know, deep things like generational trauma and sensitivity and connecting with all the hard, difficult conversations. But like, there's also this thing that is just like, we like to be around each other and goof around. And we like to bring our family members in and, you know, just, laugh and smile and I think that all these things go hand in hand you know as far as just like connecting with Sam and how things have been it's mixed there's like we talk about the ethics of it we talk about you know um, Sam will say things like he had expected that when he watched the movie it would be like looking looking right into a mirror and seeing like exactly who he was the story of his life but what he realized it was like more like looking into a mirror that's been shattered of his reflection, then picking up a shard of his reflection and, and, you know, and looking at that rather than like, you know, here's the whole, here's, here's, here's exactly what my, what Mm. I look, look like. And I think that, you know, that's a, that's an interesting um, perspective from, from a subject, um, which is, you know, I'm surprised that he even, you know, first thought that it would, 
be like a reflection, but around expectations and, you know, like, you know, when somebody gets involved in a story, you know, especially for like title character or something or one mm-hmm. of the leads, um, how that might be perceived, um, you know, and I think, you know, he's, it was just a thing, observation that he had, which I think is is pretty is pretty accurate to like probably how most stories are. It's like, hey, you could never, no one could ever make a portrait of you that shows exactly everything that you are in your life. Mm-hmm. It would just be like, right. that would be that would be too weird. <laughs> right, but I totally, I mean, I feel like I share Sam's thoughts that like, oh, if I can just get enough information about myself when I was younger, then I would fully understand who I was. Like, just, oh, yeah. you want it kind of like in a neat box, right? Yeah. But we're far too more, you know, we're far too complicated for that. But, you know, when when you think about the the story, you know, it could have gone on and on and on. And I was wondering just from a, a storytelling point of view, how did you discover the arc? And I think this would be of particular mm. interest to memoirists because we have to structure our stories. We have to end them somewhere. We have to find the container, right? And, you know, with 25 years of film, you could, I mean, how do you even know? So was it pretty straightforward to you or did you have to search around for the arc or the turning point mm. um, in the film? It's really interesting. For me, like, I had outlined this, like, so many times in the, you know, multi-decade project, I'd like outlined up to a point, like, okay, like do this, do this, do this, do this, this happens. And so like basically the first half of the movie is not far off from an outline that I made in like 2004. Everything after that grows out of like a story that was, hatched um between 2015 and 2022 in collaboration with my editors um but it's like the thing i was really i was really gung-ho i have like the hero's journey and it framed on on my wall right Mm -hmm. next to me um i was really gung-ho on on the arc that was a really important like piece to me and I was kind of I I put kind of everything into that as a building block um the editors were kind of like working in ways where like like we're just gonna like work on scenes like here's a like interesting scene you know so like they were like starting to assemble scenes and I was going on paper and working in you know like what is the character arc you know what is this the what is what's happening here what's what's playing against what and um and then i eventually got into final draft and like started like scripting the whole thing out using the actual dialogue so i was mm-hmm. working in tandem as the editors are working cutting picture i was cutting dialogue within final cut just like a regular script and so all those things were were happening but the landing at this arc was was really interesting. Um, I, it's, you know, it comes, I can say it very simply, like we initially start off in the movie with Sam, protagonist. All he wants is to, to get his mom back. He's a young teen and all he wants is his mom back. By the end of the movie, he's questioning 
if he can tolerate much of a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the A B, and then yeah. um, you know, how do we get there? <laughs> There's a crazy midpoint in the movie where we do a giant time jump, which is really fun because like we could do that, <laughs> um, and uh, we do a, a, a great cut where it's like you get to experience. Sam's all of a sudden hit a much greater level of maturity and understanding of the events that have happened. And uh, yeah, it's just like, it's funny. It's like, you know, it could have this, all of this could have been um, rather than being actual source material for a movie, it could have just been a memoir or it could have been a script mm-hmm. that was made for a whole other production. But I was really into the rawness of um, getting the, you know, the, the real stuff in there. And yeah, and I think that it is, I mean, it is a challenge when it's our own lives to find the arc, right? Like, it's actually kind of funny that we even try to do that. But I think as storytellers, the compelling movies, the compelling memoirs and books are the ones that do have sort of that hero's journey. I mean, I, I do. Yeah, so in my hero's journey regarding, like, telling this story and like, you know, getting to this point of like, now we're editing it and making it into a real story. I took a memoir class from Sonia Lee, all about liminal writing, which was really interesting for me because I don't consider myself a writer. And I had to like tap into that muscle to do this project because I'm also the narrator and had to write the narration, and the narration is very much tied into the the arc of the story. And so um, it's like kind of a hybrid in that way where it's like I'm kind of, it's a kind of a performative voiceover that gets you to the end. Performative. It's like, it's a, it's a story that's the narrator is helping you along, but they're, but they're, they're also tied in um, mm-hmm. to the, you know, like you guys all know. You're also tied into the world. So um, Sonia Lee's class was really helpful to me and just like being able to like see other memoirists working. We all like workshop together and um, and I was talking about Sam now and I was like writing things about it and writing things about my connection to my brother and my connection to my stepmom and and just like feeling that out on paper. And, and <clears throat> that all like helped me to like lean into this sort of memoir voice, you know, that like, I, I can have a voice and I can find some confidence in that. That was really hard for me to get to, I got to tell you. That's so interesting to me, just on a side note, because your filmmaking voice is so strong. Mm. It's, 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 it's funny to hear that. Yeah, well, it was the hardest. It was definitely one of the hardest things for me. I was one of those kids in school where it was like, essay time came around and I was just like hide under the table. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, hardest thing. I remember my mom like just like, okay, one more sentence. And I just be like, no, not another sentence. <laughs> Making sentences is hard for me. Um, but I, I, I realized that I could do it if I thought about it like filmmaking. And okay, there's narrators in filmmaking. And, you know, so I just, I used it as sort of a paint color that was attached to filmmaking. And it was like, 
it became fun in that way. I was able to get motivated and think about it in a way that was like, I'm now a character in the story. It's weird, but <laughs> I am that. Yeah. And so I get to sort of play with that. And there's some times in there where I, I genuinely was like, you know, ha having fun with it. And in the end, like after watching it a ton of times, like I'm happy with how I did the voice. Well, you know, also, I, well, I think it's effective. It's very effective. And also, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of, well, maybe you do because you took that class with her, but memoirists, when they're writing their manuscripts, very often struggle with their narrator voice versus their character voice. Ooh. It's yeah. like a real, like I have a, a couple episodes on it. It's really difficult because we are telling the story, but we also are a character in our story and there is a difference. And so there's like a division sort of, but there's also sort of an overlap. So it, it actually, it took me a while when I was writing my book to kind of figure it out. There was a part of me that wanted to keep the young me frozen in time without messing with her, with the with the older know, knowing me. But then I found a way to kind of integrate them when I needed to. But it takes a long time. Yeah. yeah. So I totally feel you on that. I mean, it's not easy. It's not. It's, it, it wasn't. And I also brought in a really seasoned writer, John Raymond. John Raymond um, wrote The Half-Life and... Um, has worked with Kelly Reichardt on most of her productions. So like First Cow and Wendy and Lucy and Old Joy. And um, I can't remember the, the most recent one about the sculptor. Anyway, he's a really great storyteller. And, you know, his tone is way different than <laughs> what I'm doing in CM now. But um, I had known him for years and I talked to him about this project many years ago and he took an interest and when it came time to like, you know, bringing in a writing consultant for this, somebody who could help consult me on this because I felt like I was kind of reaching around in the dark at times. Um, and you know what it's like, okay, first of all, when you're writing for uh, a movie, like it's so much different than drafting for on paper because like on paper you can just like you can just go and go and go but like <laughs> in the movie version it's got to be like say say the least amount possible but it's got to work it's a strange it's a strange mix like at times i wanted to just like riff and just be like really get into really get into things more but I realized that it all needed to balance like it's like okay there's a rhythm to voiceover and it comes at this pace and this rhythm and Reed comes in and says a few sentences no more you know like just that's how it that's how it's gonna go because you're balancing it with all the other dialogue and you're really also supposed to just be like a helper to the thing but really, there was like so much that I had to say, and I just had to like be like, okay, say the least, say the <laughs> least amount, and and it was it was it was um it was really good. And John was just so helpful in like getting helping me get to the sort of like cut the fat and get to the like here's the essential, and then also pointing out things that I wasn't saying that he was just like, oh, you didn't even mention that you're <laughs> like uh like uh. Like, I think one of the things was, like, we have two moms but the same dad. Like, just, like, helping to get mm. to, like, how what's the simplest way to say we 
I have a blended family. It's complicated. And uh, I have two houses and, you know, go between the two houses and Sam has, you know, like we, we have yeah. different moms, but the same dad. That's what came out. So, <laughs> right. But it took you a while to get there. And also that, that just highlights the importance of having readers and editors. Yeah. Who are not us. Yeah. In, in our work. Yeah. And that Jason and Darren, who are the editors, like <clears throat> we're also contributing to like, you know, we need something that introduces, gets us into this scene, connects us. And so like, as we're editing too, it's like, the voiceover it's almost like there's a whole manuscript of the voiceover was a memoir that just got whittled down because Mm -hmm. initially it was like a three-hour cut and like with bigger chunks of voiceover and then as we cut scenes and everything got moved around it um completely changed every time and i was re-recording it every time with studio quality because i wanted to retain this sort of the performance or the the connection I felt to the first read Mm -hmm. thinking that there was potentially some power in my emotional first saying of it the idea of what is ours to tell and what might not be ours to tell comes up a lot when it comes to sharing personal stories so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and also when mental health and where people are in their own emotional journey comes into play, what is that effect on depicting in your story? So essentially, how does mm. the mental health of those we are depicting change or not change what's ours to tell? Wow. Yeah. The first part of it for me, like, what's ours to tell? I don't know. I'm no expert, but I feel like for me, I would say something like, did it happen to you? Did you experience it? Um, for one thing, you know, regarding the sort of like memoir version. And, you know, within Sam now, all of these things happened to me. I was there. It was all happening to me and I was participating in it. I was asking questions. I was driving a car with my brother down to Southern California to look for my stepmom. I was in it. I don't know what the other thing is. Like I've done other stories where I'm telling a a story that's like using voices of other people that aren't, you know, as personal as this. And you know, there's safety in that. It feels like a little more safe to do something like that. And and I, I actually, that sounds really nice right now. Um, but, but um, in this like personal storytelling place, like so many levels of ethic thinking, you know, so many yeah. levels of like how, what's right here, you know, the consent pieces around it. And like Sam and, Sam and I like developed in the like, final years of filming like this routine where I was like okay we have to hang out at least as much um off camera with no talk of filming as we do with the talk of filming and the and the being on camera and that was a really good rule for us because that really paved the way I think for kind of healthy relationship moving forward I'm kind of wondering about Joyce's you know where Joyce is on this. Yeah. I know that she didn't watch the movie. That's that's the stepmom. That's your stepmom and Sam's mom. Yeah. And you know there you 
as a storyteller, you definitely give the viewer a lot of room to interpret or to assess for themselves. You never say anything about anyone's condition at all. Mm. You know, and I and I really appreciate that. There's no, there's also no blame or pointing fingers, which I also really appreciate. You allow everyone to speak for themselves and, you know, come to their own conclusions, which I really appreciate in memoirs as well, because it's not about throwing people under the bus. But there definitely seems to be some disconnect, and there's definitely looks like there's a little bit of nuance in behavior that I am able to observe in the movie. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, with Joyce, my stepmom, that was probably the most complicated thing to navigate for me as I was telling this story regarding my relationship to her and how I present her in the movie. Very, very, I mean, it's, she's represented as the antagonist in the first part of the movie. She's an important role. She's like, you know, like Sam's wants to get his mom back. His mom is the problem. His mom is not there. You know, when, you know, uh, the story gets deeper into how complex that relationship becomes. And I think I had to like, like my heart and my brain were wrestling over all of this. Like there was like, basically like my brain would be like, oh, well this is problematic. And my heart would say, why? (laughs) Um, And so I think that the curiosity and this, the pull from my heart was telling me like, go into this discomfort. The whole movie is about this. Go into this discomfort and and shine a light. So freaking hard. So hard. It's really vulnerable to do that. Think to even think it and then to do it. I think in with Joyce the the takeaway that I that I have with her she said something to me like one of the one of the last times like I went to film with her, um, I was asking her if I could film with her again, getting consent, and she's like, you know, I want you to know that this whole story makes me uncomfortable, but also I support you as a filmmaker and I think you should do it. Like hmm. really complicated, what do you do with that information? Um, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, and this is where it's like heart decides and heart says, I think this is what should happen. It just feels like, um, even though Joyce recognizes that it's uncomfortable, we're all leaning in. We're all leaning in to our vulnerabilities in the movie. Sam is, Jared is, I am. Joyce is, my dad is, my grandma is. We're all there being vulnerable humans and and realizing that we're that it's just it's kind of messy and beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well said, beautifully said. I was wondering if you would like to share where people can find Sam now and I think it's on PBS right now but for people who get to this episode afterward do you want to share details of how they can watch Sam now? Sure. Sam now is currently on PBS independent lens series 
and you can watch it for free. In June, Sam Now will be available iTunes and Amazon and other streaming platforms. So go to samnowmovie.com to find out where and when. I want to thank you for taking this time, especially at the end of such a, a long road with this movie, which is also a beginning, um, to talk with me and to help, you know, share some of your experience and what you've learned. I think it's so helpful. And I really am a fan of your work and the movie and uh, your family. And I'm just so happy that you were able to come by for this recording. I really appreciate it, Ronit. This is a really good conversation. And I, I feel so grateful to be included among memoirists. I think that memoirists <laughs> are like some of the most amazing people. And I was going to call out really quickly a memoir that deeply impacted me um, and helped motivate me to want to make this movie. And that's um, An Abbreviated Life by Ariel Levy, which is a story that she tells of her relationship with her mother and the trials and tribulations and how challenging that that ended up being as she grew into her adult life. It was such a good book. Mm, thank you. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And, you know, I, I don't know if people thank you enough for this. Maybe they do. But I thank you for your vulnerability and your willingness to look closely at even what's painful. Mm, thank you. Hard stuff. <laughs> Hard stuff, but we keep doing it, right? <laughs> thank you for tuning in to let's talk memoir for more about this episode and my guest please visit the link in the show notes or on instagram at ronit plank that's r-o-n-i-t-p-l-a-n-k you can also follow me on twitter facebook and tiktok if you liked this episode of Let's Talk Memoir, please go ahead and share it with your friends and subscribe. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which really does help other people find the show. Thank you so much for being here.